Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. It's 10 o'clock. Uh, I'm wearing a leather jacket today, so somebody's going to say, uh, what, is this Happy Days? Is this is this Joni Loves Chachi? And it's, no, it's still Tim with Tim. It's just me with a leather jacket today. I don't, I don't ever wear it. I've had it a long time. I kind of like it. I just don't always wear it. Uh, but I've been made fun of already in the office today, so y'all are going to make fun of me too. But anyway, it's not Joni Loves Chachi or happy days. Uh, it's 10 with Tim, uh, and I'm glad that you're with me. God bless you. I love you guys so much. I really, really do. We are, man, we are we are moving so fast. Not that we're moving fast, but the, the story of Jesus moves so fast in the Gospel of Mark. We're reading the Gospel of Mark verse by verse today, chapter 2, verses 18 to 28. So I hope you've read ahead. This is so good. So we start out with a discussion about fasting. It says, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Uh, so that little right there, that tells us that it's either Monday or Thursday. <laughs> this happens either on Monday or Thursday. Um, John's disciples, they fasted. We don't know exactly their pattern of fasting, and we don't know a lot about John's practice of fasting. But the point is, John's you know, message of repentance called for uh, humility and penitence. And so John's disciples likely fasted out of that sense of, of, of repentance and, uh, and preparation for cleansing. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, fasting was only required of everybody one day a year, and that was the Day of Atonement. And that was, again, once more, as a sign of, of repentance and as a preparation for expiation from the Day of Atonement, you know, having your sins removed. Uh, and so fasting was not required for, for everybody all the time, you know, one day a, a, a year. But John's disciples seem to have practiced it more because of John's heightened approach uh, and, and emphasis on um on, on, on repentance. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they, you know, man, I mean, you know, they, uh, man, they just love rules, you know, so they make new rules. And so uh, it wasn't enough for them to only fast once a year. They, they began fasting twice a week. So Pharisees famously fasted Mondays and Thursdays. So one of those days on their fast days, you know, uh, came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Um, notice that the opposition to Jesus is quickly uh, heightening and it's becoming outspoken. I mean, just yesterday, you know, when they lowered the lame man through the roof and the Pharisees, you know, uh, th there's the conversation with Jesus. Remember that they just thought it. Pharisees didn't even say it out loud. They were just thinking to themselves, hmm, but they didn't say it, you know. Jesus read their thoughts and confronted their hypocrisy uh, and, and confronted them, uh, but they never said it. It was just in their heads, and now it's coming out of their mouths, and hang on to your wigs and keys because by this time tomorrow, they're going to be trying to kill him. Literally, tomorrow, chapter 3, I think, verse 6, they're ready to kill him. So, again, it's moving fast. So the opposition is heightened and it's now outspoken and they're saying, why, why don't y'all fast? Why, why don't you fast, your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Now, it could be that part of the reason why this seems like a pertinent question to them is because uh, from what we gather from other gospel accounts, uh, some of these early disciples uh, were probably originally followers of John. So they probably used to fast all the time because John fasted all the time. And, and so now 
It could be that the accusation is, you know, you know, your disciples, you know, they used to be more serious, that they used to be more disciplined when they were following John. But now that they're following you, they're just kind of eating and having, y- y'all are just kind of party boys now. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Jesus is always drinking, always at the party, always at the table. And and they accuse him of being a wine bibber, you, you know, and a glutton. You know, so so there's that accusation that Jesus and his disciples are just kind of party boys, you know, always having a good time, you know. Oh man, I, I wish I wish that would be the accusation. I know I, I know I'm off off track now, but I wish that would be the accusation at our church. I wish they would accuse us of just wanting to have a good time. Uh, anyway, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but 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 I digress. Um, and so. Jesus answers just very clearly and beautifully. Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. Um, again, what Jesus is saying is it's a new situation. You know, Something radically new has happened. And so the old ways of, of living and, and relating to God, they don't apply anymore because something new has happened. And the something new is that he has come, right? The son of God has come. The bridegroom is here. So we're not getting ready to have a party anymore. Man, we are partying. I mean, it's a wedding feast is what he's saying. John, the baptizer was preparing for it, so it probably made sense. But now the celebration has begun, you know. So again, it's a really interesting analogy that John, the baptizer, was like the, you know, the best man preparing for the wedding. But now the wedding's happening, and now we're, we're, we're having the celebration uh, and, and that just makes sense. Jesus's point is that something new has come. The old actions are inappropriate in the new situation. And then to drive that home, he gives, you'd call them parables. Uh, they're metaphors, kind of extended metaphors. Just two little twin brief parables here. Besides, who would patch old clothing, old, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new pats would shrink and rip away the old cloth. Again, Jesus' point here is that the new disrupts the old. The new disrupts the old. So you can't just continue living like Jesus hadn't come. You can't continue living like the, the like all the promises of the Old Testament are not now fulfilled right before your very eyes. You just can't keep walking around acting like it's business as usual because Jesus has come. You know, it's a new situation. The new disrupts the old patterns of religion. You know, and no one puts new wine into old wines again. Again, the same principle. The new will burst the old. The new will disrupt the old. Uh, real quickly. So one Sabbath day, Jesus walking through some grain fields, and his disciples started breaking off grains of uh, of wheat to eat. Um, yeah, what about that? Pharisees, man, they lose their minds. They say, "Look, why are they breaking the law?" Well, whose law are they breaking? I mean, that, that that's that's the question there. There were Sabbath laws in the Old Testament, and you were forbidden to work. Six days you shall work, uh, the Lord says. Six days you have for doing all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On that day you rest. Um, it, it's a simple law. You know, it's, it's simple. Uh, but the Pharisees made it really complicated by adding more and more laws to it. You know, in their minds, what they said was they're building a fence around the law. In other words, we don't want to work, so let's just you know make sure that we make some other rules that we don't break, so that we don't ever get close to breaking the actual rule that God made. But the problem comes in when you've added so many extra rules and you forget which ones you added and which ones were God's in the first place. You got to be really careful when you no longer know the difference between human rules and God's rules. You know, 
And that's the place where they come. Uh, your, your, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath laws, they say. Well, no, they're actually not, but they're breaking the Pharisees' laws. If the Sabbath law was not to work, the Pharisees, you know, took that out, you know, you know, hundred, you know, degrees of removal. So, um, if you can't work on the Sabbath, that probably means you can't harvest grain. And if you can't harvest grain, you know, that that means that you can't, you know, harvest grain. And and so that that's what they're accusing the disciples of doing. It's like they went out to the barn and cranked up the combine. You know, they're walking through the field, you know, gathering grain and just eating it. But again, the, the, the accusation is they, they have broken the law, the law against harvesting. Okay, eating, is that harvesting? You know, you know I, I don't think so. But, and so Jesus just simply refers them back to the Old Testament where David and his companions were hungry. They were, it, it was permissible for them to eat the sacred bread, even though ordinarily that wouldn't be permissible. But in that situation, it was probably permissible because it was David and his companions and they were starving, you know? So Jesus says, the Sabbath wasn't made, you know, to meet the needs. The Sabbath, I'm sorry, the Sabbath was made for people, you know, and not for people, you know, made for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is supposed to serve people. God gave the Sabbath as a gift for refreshment and enjoyment. The Sabbath is not some occasion where you become obsessed with keeping this burden of rules, you know, th that begins to defy the very reason for which God gave the Sabbath as a blessing to refresh and, and, and help us enjoy our life. You, you know what I'm saying? So Jesus says that, you know, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath, which means basically he's the model for observing it. You know, you don't look at Jesus and tell him he's doing it wrong. You know, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying. He's the Lord of everything, but he's certainly the Lord of the Old Testament law. And therefore, if you really want to know what keeping it looks like, look to Jesus, you know. Uh, we'll continue here because the Pharisees obviously now have their teeth dug into Jesus's neck and they're not going to let go. And, and this will be their their strategy for attacking him, that he is somehow sufficiently observing the holiness code of the Old Testament, you know, as if somehow their holiness is superior to his holiness. Uh, you know, you just got to beware when human rules become more important to you than God's rules. For that reason, you just got to be really, really careful when human rules become more important than human beings, you know. When your rules become more important than love and mercy, then you are no longer, you know, observing God's will. Uh, we'll pick up there tomorrow. Uh, uh, Book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Mark, chapter 3, 12 verses 1 through 12. Listen, have a great Thursday. Enjoy it. And uh, I will see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. Have a great Thursday. I love you guys.